Today, as we uh, wrap up our series, Mind Your Own Business, my microphone is going to keep falling off my face, so we're just going to have fun with that today. I've been chasing around all day, problem with having little ears. Uh, but uh, as we've looked over this in the last few weeks, it's kind of good from time to time to look in on this portion of our spiritual life, that how, how we handle the finances and resources that God has given us. How do we uh, use them? How do we use those to uh, glorify Him? How do we use them in such a way that would um, be for our benefit and His glory? As we talked about a few weeks back, that besides the kingdom of God, Jesus referenced uh, money more than almost any other topic, more than anything else. And whether it was from from hoarding it to using it for God's glory, Jesus helps us uh, to see money not as a tool, uh, as a tool, but not as an end of itself. And so, in these discussions, we've asked week after week, how many of you own your own business? How many of you own your own business? And, and, and you know, if you've been here, you realize we all own our own business. And we all have, that God has given us all our own business of, of using the finances, of using the resources he's given us for his goodness, for his glory, for his uh, benefit. Uh, that, that we would, as we looked at it, we began to see that um, even though we get to control our own end of the universe, our own little piece of the, uh, of the pie that God has given us, how we do that uh, shows our level of uh, discipleship. It shows our level of spiritual maturity. It shows, uh, it, gives, it reveals what's the state of our heart. And the way we said it kind of like this that first week, it said the stewardship of our stuff reveals the state of our spirit. Remember, the stewardship of our stuff reveals the state of our spirit. And so how we handle uh, the, the things in our, uh, under our control, the resources God's given us, reveals what our heart is like. And so uh, as we, we continue to look, we thought we, you know, the, the, the best way to, to live would be in a state of financial freedom. And so we began to look uh, at some different people who have done very well for themselves financially. And, and uh, we, we, we consider the millionaire next door is not the one who's got a lot of flash on the outside. They don't necessarily have the, the big house and the fancy cars. And sometimes they're just that person who lives next door, who, who, who week after week, month after month, have, have lived on less than they earn and saved away a little bit at a time. And, and that little nest egg became a little bit bigger, became a little bit bigger. And instead of falling prey to the, instant, the call of instant gratification, they instead made money. They said, hey, money is not our master. We control our money. We direct where it goes. We, we, we use it. And now they have enough resources, enough financial resources to take care of whatever need comes their way. That they were wise in the stewardship of their funds to, to, to save and to prepare for that time. And as we saw last week, ha, m- money often reveals uh, in us the things that we value. Do, do, we, do we value our relationship with God? Do we trust that when we return to him what he's asked us to, that he will bless us in return? Maybe not necessarily financially, but in, in other ways. Does God give us a, a peace, a, a constant encouragement, a comfort? Because we have been faithful to him, if we've been faithfully returning to him, how does he open his floodgates to bless us in return? And so we talked about how money is a mirror that reveals our heart. Money is a mirror that reveals our heart. And do we trust God to bring back to him, to return to him uh, what he is a, part, a portion of what he has so richly blessed us with? And so uh, in, instead of in, in so doing, instead of chasing after, the, uh, after instant gratification or the elusive dollar, our pursuit shows that we are so, pursuing solely, uh, our, uh, our pursuit is solely focused on Jesus. Which brings us today, which... Sometimes may kind of look a bit uh, 
a bit odd compared to some other ones because today we're going to begin to look at, at, at not just saving not just saving for the future, but also investing that we might, um, how do we begin to accrue wealth in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God? And, and it might sound kind of odd but in thinking about preparing for the future, but as we continue, as, as we think about before we get to our text today, I want to start with, with this verse from Solomon from Proverbs 6. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And consider its ways. Be, be, be wise. Look, look at the ant. What does it do? It has no commander or overseer or ruler, yet stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. What does the ant do? The, the ant, they have no, no commander. They have no real hierarchy. They, they, they tend to, to work together. And, you know, think about it. When, you, when you're at a picnic, there you are. Maybe you're eating your sandwich or whatever, and, and a little morsel, a little crumb drops to the ground. You go, ooh, we should pick that up. You're at home, you have crumbs on the ground, what do you do? Maybe you sweep them up and throw them in the trash can, but you're, you're outside of a picnic, what do you do? You just, somebody will get that, right? Some, some, you know, the bird will come by, and all of a sudden an ant comes by and sees your little crumb of sandwich, and you go, ooh, well, take that away and save that for, for later. That, that, that's gonna be, that, that'll be helpful. And they do, you know, and they, 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 they store up their provisions. They store the, they, during the summer months and the winter and the, and the fall months. That way when it comes winter and they're deep in the ground that they have provisions until it becomes warm again. Quick question for you. How much do you think the average person in Japan saves from their yearly salary each year? Maybe 5%? 10%? Did you know that the average person in Japan saves about 18.2% of their income each year? Now, you might say, hey, their cost of living is different. Maybe they have uh, uh, different religious systems and maybe the, how they would give their, their charitable giving might be different. Uh, there's, there's just some things culturally that might be different with that. But, but and, and even in light of that, how much do you think the average American saves? Do you think they save 18%? Maybe, you know, 15, 10? And, and maybe one, maybe Mike, you might be saying, Mike, have you seen the savings rate percentages? It's not even worth saving. In recent years, people, Americans have, have even spent as much as $1.22 for every dollar they, they, they earned. That's like negative savings. You know, that would be the way that, 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 that the media would spin it, right? We, we have negative savings. And so, maybe, okay, we, we, we don't. We, we go and we get what we want. Instead of considering the ant who is saved for the future, sometimes we spend today in hopes that there'll be more coming our way tomorrow. So today, as we think about savings, we think about how we might use uh, the financial resources at our disposal to, to uh, save and to grow and to invest. Today, let's, let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 25. We're going to look at verses 14 to 30, and we're going to look at one more parable in the life of Jesus. In this parable, uh, Jesus teaches in the last week of his life. It's likely Tuesday, likely the last day of public teaching that Jesus will do before the crucifixion. He's there in the temple, and, and if you look at the greater context of, where, of, of his teaching, he's teaching different parables, uh, referring and, and teaching about being ready being ready for the second coming, being ready for the end of times, being ready uh, in the future. How, we, how can we be ready when, when he comes back? And, and as, he's, as he's teaching, he's helping us to prepare and think about how we can be good stewards of the resources that he's given us. And uh, what we, so, so as we look at this, let's, let's think about how can we, uh, well, what can we learn about saving and by investing, about being ready for tomorrow. And this is what Jesus writes. 
or Jesus, what Jesus says, what Matthew writes down for us. He says, again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one who had two talents gained two more. But the man who received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. He said, Master, you've entrusted me with five talents. And here are five more. And see, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came to master. He said, Master, you've entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. He said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. You, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus sets up this scenario where there's this rich man, and he goes on this journey. And before he goes on this journey, he entrusts to his servants portions of his estate. Now, it wasn't uncommon for uh, the well-to-do to take journeys. And so he has his servants, and he's like, here, here, while I'm gone, I'm going to entrust you with this portion of my estate. Here's five talents for you, and two talents for you, and one talent for you. And he gives them to his servants, each according to his ability. And, and he goes off on this journey, and, and, and it was unknown when he came back. That, you know, these days we have we, we have. Pretty, a pretty good certainty of when we travel, of, of when we're going to return, right? If we take a flight, we have the itinerary. We're going to fly out at this time. We're going to land at this time. This is when you know our family's going to pick us up. This is where I'm going to pick up my uh, rental car. This is what time I'm going to get back. I'll be back in town here. Even if we're driving, you're like, hey, I'm going to leave at this time. You know, thank God for GPS. We can you know, know when we're going to get at a certain place. We can get around traffic. Do you remember those days before GPS when there was, just a, there was construction and all you could do was sit? This was days before DVDs in the, in, in, in the, in the cars, kids. And, and all you could do is start playing the license plate game, right? You just kept seeing the same license plate over and over and over. I'm looking for Alaska. I need Alaska. Where's Hawaii? And so there you are. And, and you could never find those, right? I mean, if you did, you'd like do a celebration. But Master goes. He leaves, and, and he, they, they don't know when he's going to come back. And so they, the, the guy with five and the guy with two, well, they begin to put their money to work. They put their money to work. And, and, and they go off, and, and uh, they begin to, to work. And we, we don't know exactly what uh, sum of money that they received. 
When we hear the word talent, we tend to think ability, right? We think gifts, we think things we can do. But back then, uh, the, a, a talent was a unit of measurement. It was a weight. And the, they would weigh out their money. It wasn't Their money didn't have value based upon a number on a bill or a number on a coin. It was based on how heavy it was. And so a, a, a talent of silver would be less than a talent of gold, but it might be more than a talent of bronze. And depending on what the material was made out of, we would, you, you, it would have... Uh, a, a, a weight accordingly. And so you had these guys given no small sum of money. These are pretty good chunk of change. And the guy with the five talents and the guy with two talents, they, they weren't in awe of the amount of money. They began to put it to work. They began to use it uh, in such a way as to, uh, to, 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 to better their master's estate. So they began to experiment. We, 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 Jesus doesn't go into detail. But if it was like real life, some of the things that they tried probably failed, right? I mean, maybe you've invested in some things. Maybe you've done some things. So, hey, I'll, I'm going to try this, and, and maybe I'll, I'll make a little money. And you realize at the end, I'm not making any money. I might even be losing money. And so these guys, they tried some stuff, and some stuff failed, but some stuff worked. Some stuff worked really well. And so they began to, 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 to figure things out and experiment. And lo and behold, the guy with five talents, he doubles his investment. Same thing with the guy with two talents. Both of them, all of a sudden, they're like, whoa. I've doubled my master's money. And then there was the guy with one talent. And the guy with one talent might have been like, this is not worth much. That guy got five. Joe got two. I mean, I, here I, I got a lousy talent. So what's he go do? He goes and he buries it in the ground, which sounds really odd to us, right? I mean, like, why would you go? I mean, maybe you know someone who used to stash some money away in a coffee can, bury it in the ground in the backyard. Like every so often they go out there, dig it up, throw a little more in there. Maybe it was on top of the... Uh, the, the fridge, maybe they hid it under the mattress, you know, in the underwear drawers. Like, we're, we're going to hide my, I'm going to stash away just a little bit of time, a little bit of time, a little bit of time. But amazingly enough, back in the first century, as long as you remembered where you, you dug and, and hid your money, it was pretty safe in the ground. And so this guy, he goes and he digs a hole in the ground and he play, leaves it there. And after a while, the boss comes back. Master comes back and he's like, okay, guys, show me what you did. And the guy with five, he comes in. He's, he's like, Master, I, I, I earned you five more. Maybe he tells, hey, I tried this, it failed. I did this, it worked. And we began to do more and more of that. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, boom, here's five, five more. He goes, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enjoy my happiness. Let's celebrate together. And the guy with two talents, maybe he did the same thing. I did this, and this like bombed really bad, but this over here worked. And look, look, look you gave me two, and I earned you two more. Master's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Come Enjoy your master's happiness. Let's celebrate together. Dude who had one, I mean, if he's in there listening to all that, he's going to be, here's your time, buddy. Here here it is. It's yours, and I kept it safe. And, yeah, there you go. You know, I was afraid because you're kind of a hard guy and you can do some things, you know, you, you do the, you do some things. I don't know. So I was afraid. And so I didn't want to lose your money. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, didn't want to blow it. And so I just buried it. Here it is. Hope your trip was good. Right. Did you bring back anything? Any souvenirs? And, and so, and the boss, the boss looks at him and he's like, you wicked, lazy servant. Now, I've been called some names in my days. Some of them repeatable, some of them not. Maybe you have too. Uh, but I got a feeling this guy understands when he's called wicked and lazy that this is not a compliment. The boss is not 
uh, encouraging and, and championing his his initiative in this comment. Yeah, you have room for improvement here. This is, this is an opportunity for growth. Is probably what he would say. And he says you, you have this opportunity for growth, but you're just not going to have this opportunity here any longer, right? No, he's. He is chastised. He is sent out. And, and when the Bible says he's sent out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, the, we don't really know what that means, but that's not a good thing, right? It's, it's, that's, not, that's not like you know, your, 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 your vacation destination. This is not something you want to, to, to have happen to you. And so he's sent out, and he is probably punished, and he is, he is sent out of the organization. He is given his walking papers. And we look and we see that things went differently with each of these men. Each of these men, well, they were given something, right? Each of these men were given something, but they weren't given the same thing. And if we think about ourselves, if we think, if we, as we look around the room, we can look and we go, hey, we've all been given something, but we've not been given the same thing. Some of us have been given a little bit more here or a little bit more there. Some of us have more of this and more of that. Some of us have less. Some of us have, we, just, we have different things, but we've all been given something, but not been given the same thing. Each of these men were given according to their ability. They were given to them according to their ability. But, you know, we, as it, as it, we're all, you know, those of us who have jobs, we're all compensated you know, with something but different things based on our jobs, based on our uh, education, based on our experience, based on uh, what fields we are in. You know, we, 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 our skills and abilities are, in education are all different, so our compensation is all different. And the master knows this. And so he entrusts one guy with five and another guy with two and another guy with one. They're all given something based on their skills, abilities, and education and opportunity, the opportunity given before them. He didn't tell them what to do. Just, hey, steward this resource. Steward this portion of my estate. And when we get back, when I get back, we'll talk about it. They go and they do uh, whatever, they use whatever it is to, for the good of the estate. And if you sit down, if you read the parables kind of in and around this parable today, there's this continuing uh, uh, discussion about preparedness about being wise, about being ready, about being prepared for the future. And the ones who are prepared are called wise. They're the ones who responded appropriately to the situation. They prepared themselves. Some are ready when the groom comes. Some are ready when the master returns. There are some who are even ready when the Son of Man returns. So what do the wise do? Well, the wise, like the ant, well, they store up and they gather food in season. So they'll have some during the rough times. So as we think about things that we need to save for, what are some things that we should save for? Well, the first thing we need to save for is we need to save for emergencies. You say for emergencies, because sometimes emergencies just don't schedule themselves, right? I mean, wouldn't it be so nice if an emergency that was, was going to come up, it would find its way on your calendar so you'd be ready for it? I don't know about you. Maybe you saw my car a couple weeks ago. It looked like this. And you don't have to be a mechanic to realize that that wheel should not be turned that way in that condition. And so that was a 400 some dollar emergency we weren't expecting to have to incur. 40% of Americans can't absorb a $400 emergency. 
And and we've had a couple of those in the last few months. And it's like, well, I'm thankful that we've had some money saved up. Be ready for that day when the car doesn't act the way the car ought to go. It's me to save for emergency. And some of you might be saying, Mike, you might if you just drove a nicer car, a newer car, things won't break down like this. I, you know, that might be true. But she's kind of ugly on the outside, but she's kind of she runs good on the inside most of the time. And so, some of me to save for emergencies. It's good to have money when that emergency pops up and that emergency shows up that you are able to absorb what comes your way. Second thing we need to do is we need to save for purchases. Maybe you need a new couch or a new appliance, a new TV, a new car. And you know, hey, you want the, the time's coming when, when something's going to just quit. Something's going to break. Something needs to be replaced. And so, so many people, so many will just, will just finance. I'll just, I'll just finance. I'll just, I'll just pay a little bit over time. But if we save up ahead of time and we pay cash for it, we can save so many, so many more expenses in the long term. We can save the extra expenses of, uh, of, of the financing over the months that you would carry that. I don't know. Maybe you've checked your calendar here recently. And I, I butchered it a little bit earlier. Uh, Christmas is coming right around the corner, right? I mean, it's not too far away. And it seems to get closer each day, right? And so, and so when Christmas comes, at least the little ones in our house, they like to have a little something under the tree that they get to open. Maybe several little things under the tree that they'd like to open and and those little things sometimes cost some money. Maybe, maybe you know people who are still paying off last Christmas, and this Christmas is right around the corner. But if we save up a little bit at a time and pay for it a little bit over time and, and have it there, then we can begin to pay cash for Christmas. And when Christmas comes, we can give the gifts without worry about how we're going to pay for that at the end of the month. How are we going to pay for that in the months to come? So we need to save for emergencies. We need to save for purchases. But we also, we also need to save for the future. Maybe one day you'd like to retire. You know, hey, you want, I don't want to have to do this job forever. And so we need to put away a little bit of money today and put in a thing that will grow and expand so that at some point we might be able to sit back and relax a little bit more. Maybe uh, you, you want to help your children go to college. Maybe as you look at your children's teeth or their eyes, you really realize that braces or glasses are in your future. And you're like, well, I should probably save up a little bit for that today so that we can take care of that tomorrow. And when that happens, your future self will look back and thank your current self that you were so wise to put some money away today so you would be ready for tomorrow. Uh, Drew Dick is uh, an editor at Christianity Today, and he wrote a book here recently called Your Future Self Will Thank You. And it's a book that where he took uh, lessons from the Bible and brain science and how le- these lessons from Bible and brain science can help us grow our self-control. How we can uh, uh, begin to, to, to use these, the, the, this wisdom from, from Scripture and this wisdom from science and put them together in a way to to help our self-control become better so that when we see, uh, when that call for instant gratification just is just screaming at us, we can pump the brakes and we can make a wise decision so that our future self can look back and thank us for our the wisdom we used today. But there are things that we just need in life, right? There are things that just naturally come up. There's just things that, 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 that we have to have. And so as we think about our life, some purchase, well, we have needs and wants and desires, right? 
I mean, today, at some point, you will need to eat again. I mean, it might be several hours from now. I, I, yeah, breakfast is still kind of right there. Um, but but we all, we're going to all need to eat somewhere, right? And maybe today you're like, I don't feel like cooking. I don't feel like cooking, so I want to go to a restaurant. There's a lot of fine restaurants in our city, our town. We can serve a lot of good food, and you can go just about anywhere and get any kind of food that you like. You, you need to eat, and maybe you want to go to a restaurant, but maybe you're like, man, tonight, the one thing, I mean, I just desire tonight to eat steak and lobster. Now, those are three vastly different things, right? You need to eat, and you may want to go out, but I believe you probably can satisfy the need for your hunger for far less than a steak and lobster dinner out at a restaurant. I don't know. But maybe, maybe you've saved up the money. Maybe this, is your, this weekend is your anniversary. If it is, happy anniversary. Go celebrate. Hey, we saved this money so we can celebrate uh, together uh, this weekend, and I'm going to celebrate with steak and lobster. That is your right way to go. But maybe, just maybe, the way we handle our needs and wants and desires, maybe we need to, to, to satisfy our needs in a way that is where we, we control our wants and desires. We all need a place to live, right? We all need shelter. Home, being homeless is, is, is not, a, not, not a good thing. And so we all have a need for shelter. And so maybe you're like, I'm looking for, for a new place to live. And what I want, what I want is a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a garage so my family can have this nice little cozy place where we can uh, call a home and, and make memories and just enjoy this time together. Maybe most of all what you desire is a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bathhouse with a two-car garage, maybe like a half acre to an acre where you have a nice little plot where you can go and you can do and you can have your little piece of the world. Needs, wants, desires. Solomon says it like this. Can you read this with me? It says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. We could, we could reword this another way, where the, the wise, in the house of the wise, they save little by little. They live on less than they make, and they save for the future, but the foolish, their paycheck runs through their fingers like sand. Maybe you know people like this. It's like as soon as the money's in their pocket, it's got to go. It's got it's being spent. It's going out somewhere. It's burning a hole. It's got to be. It's got to go. Got to go. So if we're gonna be, are we gonna be wise or are we gonna be foolish? Are we gonna satisfy our needs while keeping our under control our wants and desires? Are we gonna use our resources wisely so we have the ability in the future to obtain things of value? There is nothing wrong with having nice things. But we acquire them in a way that mortgages our future, that mortgages our joy and pleasure of them. See, so do we save up money? Or do we consume everything so we have nothing for a rainy day? See, the wise men in this parable, they get, their, they get the money from the boss and they begin to put it to work. They begin to put it to work. And wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus said, this is what they did. They, they invest in this. They did this thing. They did that thing. They, here's how they did it. But we don't get that. All we know is that they began to put the money to work. And they, they received a sum of money that m- many of us will likely never see. And so they, they, we, we may have to take a much more conventional approach. Solomon writes for us these words. He says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money, little by little makes it grow. Makes it grow. 
dishonest money dwindles away, but he gathers money a little bit at a time, begins to store away a little bit at a time, it begins to, to make it grow. Did you know that if you save $5 a day every day, and you find a savings device, a savings vehicle that will give you about a 12% return, after five years, you'd have about $12,000. Not a bad return. Good start. After 10 years, $5 a day, compound interest, all that good stuff going for you, you'd be up about $34,000. In 20 years, you'd be over $150,000. In 30 years, you'd have over half a million dollars. And if you do the same thing for 40 years, day after day, putting $5 away, compound interest, at the end of 40 years, you'd have over $1.7 million. If you are young and you can put away $5 a day, that's going to put yourself in a very nice position to continue to be consistent with it. Faithfulness with money over time plus consistency leads to wealth. Not dishonest, ill-gained wealth. Not dirty, rotten, filthy wealth. But a wise wealth that you can use to glorify God. You can use for your benefit as well as the benefit of others. And if you had that $1.7 million nest egg, I bet there's a lot of things that you could do to love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of ways that you could reach out and help those who are less fortunate. So as we begin to think, as we begin to close down this series, as we begin to think about how can we gain, well, how can, how can we can grow our financial resources in a way that would honor God, here are three biblical rules, biblical ideas about how we can do that. First of all, don't try to get rich quick. Because when you try to get rich quick, you will always fail. The shortcut is never the shortcut that it promised to be. The shortcut will always fail. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, 9, he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. When our attention, when our pursuit begins to become about wealth, about uh, gaining more and having more, all it leads us to is ruin and destruction. But if we find ourselves pursuing God, and we find uh, godly ways to pursue the acquisition of wealth and finances, God can use that in such a way that we glorify, ultimately glorify Him, that put us in positions to be able to use the resources He's given us to um, better ourselves and those who are around us. Trying to get rich quick will always lead to ruin and destruction. The second rule, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And maybe like, Mike, I heard that before. My parents taught, taught me that. My grandparents taught me that. But did you know that you can find that same teaching in Scripture? Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 11.2, he says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do know, you do not know what disaster will come upon the land. You know what will happen. And so we need to spread out our investments, spread out your opportunities. Some say investments are like manure. Too much in one place stinks. But if you spread it around, you can make stuff grow. If you have too much manure in one place, no one's going to want to come around, right? If you spread it around, you ask anybody who's done any farming, any, 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 any gardening, a little bit of fertilizer goes a long way. You can help make things grow. Thirdly, we don't want to invest in things we don't understand. We don't want to invest in things we don't understand. 
Back in 1999, the most widely held U.S. stock was that of GE, General Electric. You know, good name, quality product. They, 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 it was things that we knew and understood, and, and, and GE did well for many, many years. Did you know, though, that the second most widely held stock in 1999 was a little company called Lucent? Have you ever heard of Lucent? I vaguely remember Lucent Technologies. If you had $1,000, though, of Lucent stock in 1999 and you held on to that $1,000 of stock from 1999 all the way to today, you would have a grand total of $59 worth of stock. Not a good idea, right? I mean, if you still held that on, I mean, I'm sorry for, for bringing up bad memories for you. But if on that same day, instead of putting your money into $1,000 of Lucent stock, you spent $1,000 and bought $1,000 worth of canned Coca-Cola, and you drank all of that Coca-Cola, and you held on to that, those cans till today, you would have $79 worth of aluminum. Who would have thought that investing money into caramel-colored sugar water would be far better than... But no one knew about what the Lucent Technologies do. I bet there was something technological, right? When we invest in things we can't understand, sometimes things go awry. Solomon says this, he said, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. By wisdom, by knowledge, by understanding what we are doing. It's a good idea if you have a, a, a business plan, a, a financial management plan, that you understand what your money's doing. So when things might look bad, you can go, hey, you know what, this is one of the things we just got to weather the storm. Or if things begin to really go bad, you can, you can begin to understand and prepare for the next step in the future. See, God has given us each a business, the business of our own personal finance. And we've been given the job of managing God's resources because he owns the world, everything that, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's, all that is in it. But he's given us control of our little piece of the universe and how we manage God's resources. If we manage them wisely, it's a true mark of our spiritual maturity. So what do we do? How do we reveal that? God, how do we show that we trust God, the resources He's given us? So what we do with our resources, what we do with God's given, what we do with what God has given us, reveals our heart, reveals what we truly believe. So if we don't tithe. If we don't return back to God, then we show that we don't, we don't believe in God's principle of tithing. We don't believe that when we return to God that he will uh, shower his blessings upon us. If we, if we don't save for the future, if we just spend, 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 we buy whatever we see, buy, buy whatever we want, it shows that our heart is after material things. And when we have to borrow to buy these things, we, we, we show that we are far out. Our priority is created things and not the creator. That we are owned by uh, our possessions, that we are, we are owned by our money. Scripture talks about this a lot. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. And so we want to be, be a people who, who are not... Who, who we don't that we do not serve money that we are not all about money that we are not run by our money that we're not going to go we're not going to be a slave to debt that if we're going to be a slave to something or someone we're going to be a slave to Jesus and Him alone.
we're going to be his servant and we're going to live our life by his his way see god has given every one of us talents abilities he's given us resources and god intends for us to use those in such a way that we can glorify him he's given them for our benefit for our enjoyment but he's given us them so that we can glorify him and benefit those around us. See, money can be a useful tool, but it can be a trap. It, be, it can be a trap that many of us fall into, that, that we, we can become so enslaved to the acquisition of more and more that we feel we never have enough, that our, our desire for more can lead us into debt and into, a slaver, into slavery to those who we owe money to. But when we use money as a resource, the type of resource God intended it to be, we use it and we find ways that we can use to acquire more of it, not just for our own personal use, but for the benefit of others and for God's glory. We can use the financial resources at our disposal to love our neighbors as ourselves. We can show love for God. We can use it to advance the, the gospel and grow the kingdom of God. So Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question is, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful with the resources that you've been given? Will you put them to work for God and his kingdom? Or will you be wasteful? Will you be wasteful mortgaging your future at the altar of instant gratification? Will you be faithful? Or will you be wasteful? See, it's up to you. It's up to you to mind your own business well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you today for the resources that you've blessed us with, that you've given us these resources of ability, of finances, that follow oftentimes along the way we find needs that we can meet either with our hands or with our currency with our time with our connections and our networking that Father oftentimes in each given day there's times we can serve you by loving on others so Father would you help us to be faithful would you help us to be faithful at work with the resources you've given us Father you give us eyes to see eyes to see what we can do with what you bless us with Father teach us to make, take these small simple steps and that through these steps that these steps now that we can grow in people who love to serve others long to serve you with the resources you bless us with Father, you help us to mind the business that you've given us, that we would be good stewards of all that you've given us, so you would receive glory, that your kingdom and influence and worship would grow, and that one day, one day we'll see how our simple acts of obedience help lead others to know you. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. 
that even in the dark places and even the difficult times, that Father, we, you meet us here and offer us your love. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.